0: Great is our God, and greatly to be praised. Father, we thank you. We give you praise for this day and for every promise and every possibility you've given us for this day and for this hour. God, we release right now your will in this place. Your word declares that it is not your will that any should perish. So, God, we thank you for salvation. We thank you, God, because your word declares that healing is the children's bread. So, Father, we thank you for healing. We thank you, God, for every need being met. Because you are Jehovah Jireh who has seen what we need. And it's already attended to. So we thank you for it. Thank you for hearts that are open to receive. Minds to understand. Eyes to see and ears to hear. And God, we give you praise for it. Now, God, let your kingdom come in this place. As your will is being done in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Great are you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We have your Bibles this morning. I want you to go with me to the book of Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. I think I skip around a lot. That's because I have a plan. I don't know if it's working, but I gotta <laughs> Philippians chapter four, verse eight, verse eight. In Philippians chapter four, verse eight it says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatever things are just are pure. Lovely. I'm paraphrasing. Of good report. If there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things. Now, verse 9, I'm going to read it, but I probably won't get to it, but that's okay. The things which you learned and received and heard. Now, notice what it says learn received and heard and look at this last one and saw in me these do and the God of peace will be with you Amen. amen I want to talk to you on this thought today lighten up your thoughts lighten up your thoughts come on relax just just Amen. Be seated. Lighten up just a little bit. Man. Trying to get church folk to lighten up is a monumental task. You all have been steeped in tradition. And you know that you all have a church face. You don't use it in Walmart. And you don't use it in the club. But when you come to church, hey man, the uglier you are, the more religious you think folk think you are. Oh, let me stop talking Amen. about my child. <laughs> Hallelujah. But God, uh, Paul talks here about the God of peace and I wanna make sure that we understand that peace involves the heart and the mind. It involves the heart and the mind. Isaiah 26 and 3 says this. He says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. In other words, if I focus on God and uh, uh, I keep my mind on him, that he'll keep me in not just peace, but what? Perfect peace. Why? Because he trusts in you. I put my faith in him, and he keeps me in perfect peace. Okay, a lot of preliminaries to get to where we need to go today, so just kind of bear with me. First of all, uh, you can paraphrase this next statement any way you want to. Wrong thinking leads to wrong feeling, and before long the heart and the mind are pulled apart, and we are strangled by worry. Now, if your thoughts are right, if your thoughts are stayed on him and you are in perfect peace, it is impossible for you to worry. Oh, some slow amen. Let's trickle down amen. That means you're not sure that you are not a worrier. Amen. <laughs> All right, we must realize that thoughts are real and powerful even though they can't be seen, weighed, or measured. That's why 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says that we are to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. If God says it, then we have to figure out how to make it so. Amen? Now, Listen. I don't know who wrote this, but it was good, so I copied it. <laughs> they didn't have a patent on it, and I can't give them credit because I don't know where it came from. <laughs> Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. I thought that was appropriate for what we were talking about. Paul knew that a person's thoughts determine who that person is or his or her attitudes and how they react toward others. It is what you're thinking, what you are thinking that causes you to act in a particular way. Amen. This is why the Bible gives us several things that we need to be mindful of. First of all, Matthew chapter 12, verses 34 and 35 says this. It says, Brutal vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? Now, that's, that's hypocritical, right? It says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You're going to say what's really in your heart, even if you had to do it left-handed. That's not, that's not a good way to say it, because left-handed people say that's offensive. But uh, <laughs> what I meant was, if you have to find another way. By the way, for all you left-handed people, the Bible says you are very accurate. So, okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, that's just cleaning it up a little bit. A good man, verse 35 says, out of uh, the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. If my heart is right, I'm going to say and do the right thing. An evil man out of the, his evil treasure brings forth evil things. If I say something ugly, and people always say, well, I ain't mean it that way. Well, you said it. And if you said it, that's what you meant. Then uh, look at Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know that, we can quote that uh, from memory. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. If things aren't working together for your good, then apparently you're not called. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm too easy. If they're not working together for your good, it means that you might want to examine where you are spiritually. Amen. Amen. And then Romans 12 and 2 makes it even clearer. It says this, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable perfect will of God. Now, let me take a moment here with Romans chapter 12, because as we get into the message, you're going to see just how important this is. The Bible is very clear that you have to change your orientation from world to heaven. What does that mean? The Bible says, now look at what he says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't start acting like folk that are worldly. Amen. And he says this, that you are to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now in Philippians 1 and 6, it says this, it says being very confident of this uh, uh, very thing that he who had begun a good work in you will complete it until Jesus comes, Okay. Now, notice this, Philippians 2 and 5 says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm going to get to this in a moment, but I'm going to just advance like we always do, skip a whole bunch of stuff and then have to come back. I'm going to tell you that there's a lot of people who are listening to me right now who will tell me, flat-footed, eye-to-eye, that, well, that's just the way God made me. Now, I will submit to you that God made you. That's as far as I can go. He did not make you the way you are. Now, we know before we get spiritual, let's look natural that you are the sum total of all your life's experience. Everything that you've been exposed to made you the person that you are today. Amen. You say, well, God exposed me to all that stuff. No, he didn't. He gave you free will. There are some experiences you didn't have to have, but you chose to experiment that shaped who you are. Now, some people need need to hear this because I know that some folks say, well, I'm too old to change now. That's not true. That's not true. Remember what David said in Psalms 51. Uh, Yeah, he said a lot, didn't he? (laughs) Verse five. (laughs) I love you guys. In Psalms 51 and five, David said that that he was brought forth in sin, he was conceived in sin and and that he was uh, brought forth in iniquity now, well, they got it up there. Brought forth in iniquity, and he says, my, uh, and in sin, my mother conceived me. So what he's saying? David said, I was born a mess. Amen. Yes. Yes. Huh? But he follows that in his repentance by saying, God, if you clean me up, I'll be white as snow. Yes. Now, you can change by simply changing your confession. Yes. You can change. But you won't change unless you know that you need to change. Every person who says to me today, Pastor, I'm saved. If you tell me you're saved, then I will tell you that your mind has the capability of being renewed. (laughs) And what do you mean capability? I need to expose myself to something different. I have to stop exposing me to the world So that I don't take on the habits and the nature and the behavior of the world because my thoughts, my thoughts are going to create an action in me. My thoughts are going to make me act. My actions are always going to follow my thoughts. Because you know the old question we always ask, what were you thinking? Huh? And most people don't have a correct answer. You need to say I was thinking worldly. Hmm? I listened to the devil and I thought he was right. You're not going to say that. Amen. But that's what you should say. So simply put, you were not made a certain way unless you were born and then died right then. Because from that point on, you began to learn and to grow. That was the process of what Jesus did. And that's what Paul says when he says, let this mind be in you. And Jesus had the process of growth. That's, listen, he could have come here as a full grown man. You know that. He didn't have to come as a baby. Amen. Adam didn't. Amen. Are you understanding this? So if he came here as a child, and the Bible keeps talking about how the, the baby grew in wisdom. Yes, yes, yes. Amen. So the baby continued to grow and have experiences, and those experiences tended to shape who he was. Right. But because he was both human and divine, the shaping was different. Now, that means, okay, now you ain't gonna like this, but I'm just, <laughs> that means that the sooner you get saved, the more time there is to mold and shape you into something that's useful for the kingdom. If you take a lot of time to get saved or have your mind renewed, get saved or have your mind renewed, one more time, get saved or have your mind renewed because people sometimes get saved but they forget. So they still talk the same way and act the same way. Amen. If there is a renewing of your mind, you learn some stuff. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, in order to make this work for me, <laughs> I hope it works for you, but I'm going to make it work for me. I need you to understand that the word, when, when he says in Philippians, the word think, logizomai, which uh, it implies a con- concerted or concentrated effort. In other words, I have to put my mind on these things. It's it's a focused effort. It reminds us that we have to keep on stressing those things uh, which, 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 uh, which qualities that we share with Christ. In other words, if I think on the things that are good, then I start to act like a good person. Amen. Now, uh, here are the qualities, and I'm going to run through these qualities. Not, not that I'm trying to speed it up, but I just want you to know that you already know these things. Amen. Amen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you do know these things. You might not know that you know them, but I'm going to assure you that you do know them. Amen. <laughs> First of all, he says, "Whatsoever is true." And out in the Greek. <coughs> excuse me, is alithae, and it means uh, that those things which are true includes facts and statements which are, one, true in accordance with reality, true in accordance with reality. And I, can't, I can't, I can't even begin to tell you. <clears throat> That's good. Oh, I i get a good job, I can't get a thing out of it, ain't nothing but ice. <laughs> <laughs> I can squeeze a drop. <clears throat> now, I was teasing, but I need to say this. I don't know if everybody's reality is the same. Okay? Take that for whatever you want. Sincere means not deceitful, and loyal means to be faithful. Uh, A lot of people can do the one and two, but they can't do three. You don't find many loyal people today. Amen. People change jobs, they change spouses, they change churches, they change everything Amen. at the drop of a hat. Amen. 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 Number two, it says, believers should think on things that are noble. That means things that are honorable. And the word is uh, in the Greek is symnos. Uh, things that are uh, just, uh, diakos. And it means things that are, uh, are God's standard of righteousness. God's standard, not yours, God's. Just because something appears right to you doesn't mean that it may be right spiritually, scripturally or contemporarily. Now, what does that mean? It's a phrase that your good friend and my good friend always uses. That was then. Number four says, whatever is pure, uh, hagnos, and it means to be free from contamination or blemish, unmixed or unmodified. Now, I put in parentheses here, it's hard to keep thoughts morally pure. It's hard when you watch TV to keep your mind focused on Christ-likeness. Everything today from soap operas to cartoons, are immoral. Amen. If you're watching any kind of TV in the daytime and there are children around, you better guard the screen. <coughs> As a matter of fact, just turn it off. And whatsoever things are lovely, and and the word there is uh, prospholase, and it means. Uh, Thoughts of great moral and spiritual beauty, pleasing, not evil. Now, and this is a problem for a lot of believers is that you can't think a thought that's not evil about somebody. Hmm? Amen. There's some people, I don't care who they meet, they find something wrong with them. And if you know you, if you can't find something wrong with somebody, you know what you do, Right? Now, here's what you go back. Well, I remember. And of course, your memory is the greatest keeper of moral records in the world. (laughs) I'm not not gonna talk about that. Whatever's commendable, euphemous, and it means uh, admirable, things that speak well of the thinker speak well of the person who's thinking the thought. Thoughts that recommend or reveal positive and constructive thinking. When you see your brother or sister, is the first thing that you come up with something, positive or negative? What kind of feelings or emotions come when you see that person? What rushes to your mind immediately upon seeing someone? Nice person, here comes trouble. <laughs> well, I hope they don't see me. Mm. Then he says, if there is any virtue, arete, A-R-E-T-E with an accent, The word incorporates all moral excellence. Praiseworthy is the word that we use. Praiseworthy. Uh, He says that you have to dwell on the positives and not the negatives. So Paul sums up this list by saying a believer's thought life, a a, a believer's thought life, what we put into the mind determines what comes out in our words and our actions. you know, uh, the computer thing but years ago, they called it garbage in, garbage out. Whatever you program in is going to come out, whether you recognize it or not. You ever notice that if you hang around certain people, you start to sound like them, you start to say some of the stuff that they say, and all of a sudden you realize that some of the stuff they say may not, may not be kosher. Amen. Amen. Paul says that Paul says we are to program our minds with thoughts that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, commendable, virtuous, and praiseworthy. This is why we need to loosen up. <clears throat> what? Yes. Learn not to take yourself so seriously. Can I tell you something? If you hear two people, Christians, sitting around having a discussion about the end times. I can tell you there's no joy in that conversation. Listen, there is no one, did I say no one? There is no one who can tell you exactly what's going to happen. Amen. Only thing that you know is Jesus coming back and you going. Amen. Now, whether it's a thousand years or we come down and stick around and try to get other people, to say you don't, don't nobody know. Don't know about it. nobody, nobody. Well, Pastor, I read they don't know. Now, the big thing is the mark of the beast. I see people had tattoos of the, the symbol of the COVID thing. Don't nobody know that either. Excuse me for saying don't nobody, but I'm talking to my folks. If anybody knew that stuff, they would be a billionaire, a gazillionaire. But nobody knows. Trust me, nobody knows. So well, Pastor, why why do we study that? I don't. I don't know why you study it. I want to know what's going to happen right here, right now, every day. I wanna know that I'm living a life that covers my family. I, I'm, I'm living a life that when I die. I'll get to see Jesus. When I want to know what's going to happen in the millennial reign, I'm going to ask him, Jesus. Now, Pastor, why you go off that way? Because that's why people are so stiff. Because it's who knows what and who knows more about what. That's not what the kingdom of God is about. And what I'm about to tell you is not going to set well. So I'm going to tell you right now that you need to just eat, no, I won't say trust me, study to show yourself approved. Can you do that for me? All right, here we go. That's your (laughs) seatbelt. Proverbs 17, verse 22. Proverbs 17, verse 22. A merry heart does good, Like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. And let me back up here. Go go, turn there because I need you to see this. And some of you got some of y'all are dry bones. Come on. Do you hear people say, I don't have a sense of humor? You ever heard people say that? then they can't be Christ-like. It's tight now, ain't it? What did he say? (laughs) Some people are hurt right now. (laughs) Stop, stop. Look at <laughs> I told you to turn seventeen twenty-two. Turn to fifteen, chapter fifteen, Proverbs, verse uh, thirteen. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. A merry heart makes a what? Mm. You know what countenance is, and look in the explanation section of the Bible. Face. What? A merry heart makes a cheerful face. OK? After congregations got up and left. Mentally, mentally. <laughs> but by sorrow of the heart, by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. If your face I can't say ugly. (laughs) Sad. If your face is (laughs) sad then that's a wounded spirit. (laughs) Fifteen fifteen says all the days of the afflicted are evil. But he is (laughs) who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. If you have evil thoughts, guess what? The Bible said uh, it's because you're afflicted. And some people are constantly afflicted. Now, put this in your notes because I need you to, in your own way, in in any way you want to write it. A hearty laugh is a form of internal jogging. It exercises the lungs and stimulates the circulatory system. Huh? You can't laugh without your whole body being involved. Huh? You wanna get some exercise? Go, go watch something funny. I watch y'all. Now, I'm t- <laughs> Some of the funniest stuff you'll ever see is right here in church. And we can't put the camera on you, but some of the stuff y'all do, the finger-picking. oh, this one. make this stuff up. <laughs> to be cheerful is to greet others with a word of encouragement and enthusiasm uh, for the task at hand and be, uh, be a positive outlook on the future. In other words, uh, if we're talking about something, you know, even if we're talking about the weather, see, right now we should all be looking forward to fall. Why? Why? Well, two things happen. One, the temperature comes down a little bit, you get comfortable. Huh? You get to put on your real clothes now. huh? Y'all took off so much. Uh, No, I didn't say that, but anyway, you get to put on some stuff. (laughs) You get to cover up some stuff that makes it stop being funny. (laughs) See, don't you feel bad already? Look at you laughing. <laughs> <Ooh>, hallelujah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Such people are as welcome as pain-relieving medicine. In other words, if, if you're laughing, you ain't hurting. All right, okay. Now, we said that sometimes it's hard for people to change their thought process. And that's what I told you earlier, you say, well, that's God made me that way. But, here's what I wanna show you, and and, and I'm gonna talk about everybody, myself included, all right? If I can talk about me, I can talk about you. (laughs) Now, some people are logical Figurative thinkers and others are literal. You know what I'm talking about uh, Some people no matter what you say to them. It's exactly what you said. Okay Now the only way you can have a conversation with those kind of people is you got to be one of them Okay. I'm going (laughs) to keep going. It says that logical thinkers are are in agreement with the principles of logic, which means reason, and uh, literal is exactly what's stated. In other words, when people take things uh, uh, literal, they they don't go beyond what's already established. Now, that's why when people are literal thinkers, if you train them a certain way, you can't change it. Now, literal thinkers always go right back to reset. And the reset is to the default of what you taught them. I always tease about this. There are people who tithe to the cent, you know, $10 and 34 cent. And you can teach on this 100 years and they'll change twice and then come back and go right back because the default for them is literal. If we change something in service, it's difficult for them because they're going to go back to the old way no matter what you do. And that will be a problem for them if they say another 30 years, it will be a problem and every so often it'll come up in conversation. But I sure wish we used to go back to the way we used to do it. Amen? Now, Okay, I can't go there. I got, I got to move on. I was gonna tell you something, but if I, if I get off, I, I won't get to where I need to be. Now, and this is hard to teach, especially to a literal, literal crowd. Now, figurative, figurative thinkers are people who are more metaphorical. <laughs> they always want to tell you a story or make a comparison to something to something else. You know, that that's what I do. I like telling a little story. I like to compare it to a car or, uh, you know, an event or something to, to make you kind of think about it. You, you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh. But the Bible says that literal people use words in their original proper meaning and figurative people, uh, it, it's not so with them because they use metaphors, comparisons, similes, multiple meanings, double entendres, you know, to reference it. Uh, they use figures of speech. See, now, if you if you get what you remember, y'all. Uh, well, y'all. If you get dad jokes, then you can, you can get Jesus. What do you call two people in the back of an ambulance? Paramedics. Now, if you take them and put them in, in the operating room, there'll be a paradox and you have a problem. <laughs> now, if you didn't get any of that, <clears throat> let's go on and get your offering now. So you, <laughs> you, you can just go on because the, the, rest, the rest, <laughs> rest of it won't matter to you. <laughs> Oh Lord, I'm out of time. I'm having too much fun. Mm, 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 mm. Okay, so we got literal and we got figurative, or what I call uh, logical and figurative. But there's a third one, and that's the one I want to bring you point. The b- b- point I want to bring to you: Jesus was what we would call a lateral thinker, meaning that his creativity will allow him to respond to people. In orthodox and therefore unsettling ways, lateral thinking essentially means that he was able to think creatively or outside the box. Hmm? See, if he were going to solve a problem, he did not look at the problem as being, uh, fitting a certain response. Because he was creative. So, (sighs) Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, verse 10 says this. Y'all know the story. I'm going to, well, I'm going to jump down to verse 13. It said, give them something to eat. And he said, we have no more than five loaves and two fishes. Unless we go and buy food for all these people. That statement. What does it say? We only have this, but we can do that. That's both literal and figurative. Okay? But Jesus was different. He said this, He said, verse 14. So there were about 5,000 men. Then he said to a disciple, make them sit down in groups of 50. Now, 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 why did he make them sit down? Because before you, come on now, this ain't got nothing to do with the lesson, but I just teach for a moment. Before you can receive a miracle, there must be order. If you are out of order, don't expect to receive a miracle. Watch what it says here, verse 15. And they what did so and made them all sit down. If there is no obedience, there's no miracle. Oh, that's a good lesson, but it ain't my lesson. But you know the rest of the story. He break it, he blessed it, broke it, and distributed it, and everybody got it, got to eat. His thinking was outside the box. Here's what he's saying as long as it's in my hand, it won't run out. Hmm? That's what you call lateral thinking. So, in logical thinking, you attempt to solve a problem following a process uh, where each step must be reasonable and logical. In lateral thinking, we can take steps. Uh, take steps or follow routes that are obviously unreasonable and beyond logic. Now, I I used this the other day when I was talking to you all, and I know y'all probably still don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm going to try it, as the old preacher say, once more and once again. You can fix anything with duct tape. What does that mean? That's lateral thinking. Sometimes you don't have what you need. But sometimes you have to use. That's all I'm trying to say. That's all I'm trying to say. If it's in my hands, come on, it may not work for you, but if it's in my hands and my hands have blessed it, then it will work. Hmm. And I am about to run out of time before I run out of word, but let me do this. Uh, let me give you another example here. Uh, I can do this in three minutes. First Kings chapter three. Everybody knows the story. You just don't know where it is. Amen. You had a lot of fun so far. Uh, First King deals with Solomon and his wisdom. y'all remember that? And the Bible talks about how Solomon was so wise. Now, here's what the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. His son Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. Now watch Solomon in action here in, in, in First Kings three, verse 16. It says now, two women were harlots uh, who were harlots came to the king and stood before him, and one woman said, "Y'all know the story, right? Huh? You do? Yeah. So, how did two harlots get before the king? Oh, I thought y'all knew the story." All right, now don't tell anybody this because it's a secret. When the Bible uses the term harlots, that term is synonymous with innkeeper. That's why Rahab, the harlot, was actually the bar owner. All right. Smart guys, I tell you, what. <laughs> that ain't the message. This is the message. <laughs> see, see y'all tripping. Here we go. Uh, let me see. Verse twenty-four. Verse twenty-four. The king said, "Bring me a sword," and they brought him the sword. Brought the sword before the king. And the king said, Divide the child, uh, the living child, in two, and give half to one and half to the other. Then the woman, whose son was, uh, the woman who uh, was living, spoke to the king, for she yearned with compassion for her son, and said, Oh, my lord, you know the rest of that. But Solomon was wise enough to go outside of the normal bounds, to come up with a solution that was unorthodox. All right? So, here's what I want to show you. God, Mm. Jesus had this kind of sense of humor. Jesus had what was called dry wit. Y'all know what I mean by dry wit? Jesus would 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 say something that was excruciatingly funny, but he never changed his expression at all. And what what dry wit does, it elicits a response from people. It was one of those kind of things uh, I can tell you who was notoriously good at this. Bishop Thomas. It would always point you in a direction and you had to figure out what the destination was, okay. which requires something of you. And Jesus had this kind of, of wit about it. Let me show you, and, and I only got, I'm, I'm on, I'm on borrowed time now, okay? So let me, let me just, just show you some of this. I'm going to skip all the way down to this. I'll give you more next week. Uh, uh, next week I'll explain dry humor and the whole nine yards. But here's what he said. Jesus had a sense of hyperbole. Look at Matthew chapter 19, verse 24. He says, again, I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom. Now, that's funny. But it's hyperbole. All right. How about Matthew 23 and 24? Here's what he says: Blind guides who strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Come on now, you know that's good stuff. Blind guys, swatting at a net that's funny, come. See, but literal thinkers are going, I don't see anything funny about that. Well, then you ain't never tried to close your eyes and swat a fly. <laughs> I had an uncle who used to shoot mosquitoes with a twenty two, but, but they sent him away. <laughs> That's a joke. That's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> he was skilled in, in, in irony uh, when he rebuked the Pharisees uh, for inventing their own laws. Look at Mark 7, verse 9. It says, he said to them, all too well, you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. Now, this is Jesus talking to Pharisees. You will make a law about me that eliminates me. It's good stuff. Now, this is, this is the Jesus that you all don't like. No, 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 seriously. Luke chapter 12, verse 13, 14. Then one of the crowd said, teacher. Who made me a judge or arbiter over you? That's like when you bring me one of those questions, like we talk about the end time. Pastor, tell me what's going to happen uh, uh, when 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 we go through the millennial reign. And I'm saying, what they got to do? You got to get to heaven first. Jesus was funny. He was. Let us go to the other side. Storm comes up. He goes to sleep. Now, he didn't say it this way, but I know what I I would have said when they woke me up. Didn't I tell you we're going to the other side? That's all you need to know. We're going to the other side. It's like when I tell y'all we're going to do something. Well, pastor, we don't have the money. But pastor, we, we don't have enough people. To, but pastor. I feel like Jesus. I'm just going to take a nap till you come to your senses. Didn't I say we were going to do it? All right. I'm going to stop here because I'm out of time and they got me way in the red. And <laughs> Stand up on your feet. <laughs> Y'all talking too loud, I can hear you. <laughs> <laughs> they talk about me right to my face. I'll tell you what, on national TV. <laughs> Jesus. No, seriously, seriously, seriously. If you don't learn to lighten up, it's going to be a rough journey. Let me tell you why. If you read the New Testament, the New Testament, the New Testament, you will find that Jesus gives us a lot of latitude to grow up. In the Old Testament, you are restricted because the law says this and the law says that. You will notice that in the Old Testament, it tells you what thou shalt not do. But in the New Testament, it tells you what you can do. If you would spend just a little more time looking at what Jesus said you could do, you would be much happier. Most people are bound up because they have the freedom to do something and they don't know what to do because the law doesn't give them any latitude. Amen. So we need to learn how to relax. Now, somebody say, well, pastor, I still, I want to be right when I do something. And that's why you have the Holy Spirit. Hmm? Who also has a great sense of humor. What do you mean, Pastor? Here's the thing I like about the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Perfect gentleman. When you say stuff like, I don't want to do that. He said, okay. (laughs) Here's what he really says. I'll be here when you get back. Because he's leaving. Go on. Now here's what I would say. Go on fool. But but I, I can't say that. Fool being who don't believe God. But he said, go on. I'll be right here when you get back. And every time that you made a decision without the Holy Spirit, you end up in the same place. Now you would think after the third or the 33rd or the 330th, or the 3,330th time that you would stop and listen to the Holy Spirit because the Bible says he will lead you into all truth. All what? Truth. Which means that truth is progressive. Do you understand that? Truth as you understand it today is different than truth that you understood two years ago. It'll be different than truth you understand two years from now. You do understand that. It is a preceding truth. Amen. An ever-present truth. Amen. Which means that every time the Holy Spirit shows you something, even if it's different than what it was yesterday, it's a, it's, let me do it this way and I can pray. It's like blind men trying to describe an elephant. You understand? The more you walk around and touch it, the more what it is is revealed to you. And it may take you a long time if you're blind to figure it all out. You understand? Amen. Let's pray, Father, open our eyes, expand our minds, God, give us the tongue of the learned, so that we can speak your truth. Holy Spirit, we ask that you come into our hearts, move upon us, create in us an awareness of who we are and who Christ is in us. And God, we thank you for it. We thank you, God, for being able to change and grow and become people of God that we were called to be. And God, we thank you for that. Now, God, give us peace so that we can understand that change is inevitable. And God, we thank you for that. Now, God, even as your Holy Spirit ministers to those who are under the sound of my voice, I ask that you would cause a settling to come and an awareness of who you are in them to come so that growth can come. And I give you praise for it in Jesus' name.